welcome to Inside the Founders Studio with the California Technology Council, where we bring you perspectives directly from startup founders and investors in every episode. Now we turn to our host in our Northern California headquarters, Matt Gardner, founder of the California Technology Council. On this episode of Inside the Founder Studio, we're talking with Darren Leva, founder and CEO of Intramaps. Darren, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Matt. Happy to be here. Can you start by telling us a little bit about what Intramaps is and what the inspiration was for getting it started? Sure. Uh, Intramaps is alumni relations software. So the idea is to create engagement within an alumni organization. This could be for higher ed or for corporate alumni relations as well. And engagement uh, equals revenue in, in some way, shape, or form. So a more engaged group will either donate to the school um, and get value from an organization. Um, in enterprise, it's, it's all about referral business and, um, and referral hires and those kinds of things. So. Um, it's really about generating revenue with a, a group of people, and we do things with Intramaps all visually um, and, and, and from a networking perspective. So it's kind of like uh, LinkedIn groups on steroids, if you want to put it that way, all map-based visual with automated introductions between people. The second part of the question, I think, was uh, was it why I founded it? Yeah, what, what inspired you to get Intramaps going? So what inspired me was I was the president of an alumni association and, uh, at one of the Claremont Colleges in Southern California, and I, my background is in biotech, so completely unrelated, but I had founded a software company as a side project just to uh, get the entrepreneurial wheels flowing, and uh, I ended up seeing a very big need in the alumni relations space uh, to, to create something that was more meaningful and more engaging. and and it actually provided value. And so that's why I founded Intramaps. So we had taken a technology that we had developed that wasn't working that well, we pivoted, and we created what is now Intramaps. How long would you say you went between idea and an actual viable product? It probably took us about nine months to get our, our first viable products. We had already built some software, so there's some infrastructure in place, but once the idea popped up of, hey, maybe we can use this existing technology, morph it a little bit, and, and create something new, uh, from that point, it was, it was probably about nine months until we, we launched the first product to our first customer. Did you have a customer uh, in mind right from the beginning uh, because of your experience as, a, as an alumni board member, or is this something you had to, to really go back out and, and look for a beta customer to work with? No, we we had a customer, so we had a partnership with the school because I was the alumni board president. So um, that was already set up, and that was actually a big lesson that we learned because we had had pivoted twice before and had two other kind of products that didn't work, and and that was one of the big take-home messages is we didn't really have an initial customer. We didn't have anybody, any specific need. It was just kind of a, well, if we build it, they'll come kind of a system, and they never came. So uh, that was pretty crucial. And then right after we you know, launched our first customer, we got a, another customer right away, and that was before we even raised money or did anything else. So 
um, yeah, that, that customer that customer as a partnership was, was critical. So during that phase when you were kind of thinking of the field of dreams scenario where if you build it, you thought they might come, uh, how different was the product then and what did you have to do to iterate it to make it more relevant uh, uh, to get to the point uh, that you had something that the customers would end up taking on? Yeah, it was completely different at the time. It was, it was a public-facing website um, that was uh, biotech industry related, so it was actually uh, supposed to be kind of a Craigslist for business and very industry specific. Um, and then we morphed into a private platform, uh, all map focused and uh, engagement focused with with a database of information. So it changed pretty dramatically. Um, that initial kind of Craigslist style technology is still in the product today. It's, it's also morphed uh, a lot, but um, we still have kind of a content posting section. So um, it was a pretty dramatic shift, but we had the team already in place. We, we had ideas and, and we had already built a foundation. So it was much easier to kind of pivot from that than start brand new. And how did your business model have to change with that in order to evolve? The business model was completely different. So we went from what would have just been a, a public-facing website that we you know, didn't exactly know how we were going to monetize at the time. Uh, we were just going to see if we could drive customers. That was kind of you know, the plan A. Um, when that didn't work, we, we you know, pivoted to something completely different where we had a, had a kind of a supply chain system um, with a different partner and, and that didn't work out for a number of reasons. And then this went to a, a software as a service model, so, um, which is a lot better in, in my opinion and, and it's a lot, a lot more controllable, I would say. Um, and in the long run, it, it's, it's a nice buildup of revenue. So um, totally, yeah, basically three different business models, uh, but we ended up with software as a service. So one of the things that uh that seems evident about your business model is that uh, uh, alumni groups would have high concentrations in the metro areas where those universities uh, reside. Have you had to be uh, local everywhere or are there particular markets where you've started and, and established Intromaps as a service? Um, no, we don't need to be local anywhere really. I mean, the you know your, your personal connections help of course, but um, you're right in that whenever an organization signs up, uh, especially a, a university, most of their constituents are in the, the kind of greater metro area of wherever that university is. But there are, are large pockets, you know, in, in other locations depending on how big the university is. So because our platform is all map-based, um, and it's kind of like putting all these constituents on a Google map, uh, you know, they, they can zoom into wherever they're located. So it doesn't really matter, um, you know, where, where you're on the world, all the data is on the map, and, and you can zoom into your whatever location you're traveling to, moving to, or you work in currently. Now, you mentioned that you had a biotech background. How has that influenced your thought process as an entrepreneur? And, uh, and are there particular experiences in your kind of business development roles in the past that uh, helped you give shape to Intro Maps as the founder? Sure, that's a good question. Um, so the, 
the actual mechanics of biotech and, and the technology side of it, I don't think there was a, a lot to transfer there, but um, with business development roles, uh, and this is kind of, I've had sales roles, and I've also had kind of licensing and M&A style roles, and those types of roles, the M&A and, and licensing roles, uh, you've got to know a lot of different pieces. So you've got to be thinking about the technology, you've got to think about the business plan, you've got to be thinking about regulatory, you've got to have all these different components and all of those eventually have to go into a financial model um, that's, that's taking into account, you know, market research and, and all these different components. So that in itself was critical because I had all the pieces of the puzzle. I mean, I'm not an expert at, at finance, but I could build business models and, and understand what was going on and, and figure out how to get the company to profitability. So um, it was, I think it was that job function. The other is uh, just selling in general. So I, I could have been selling books, but, you know, I was doing technical sales and uh, just understanding the sales process and being able to just constantly drive sales, especially in a software as a service company. Um, that was one of the most critical things that helped us get off the ground and it's still critical today because it's, at the end of the day, if, if there's a good product market fit, uh, you, you still have to have sales. Someone's got to be driving uh, the revenue, and, and that's uh, what it's all come down to. So um, I've seen a lot of companies out there that have great technology, a great team. None of them are business or salespeople, and I think that's where Silicon Valley in general kind of falls flat, and that's why one reason why there's such a high failure um, rate, is, in my opinion. Now, you're about six years into this. You're seeing at some level uh, a survival rate here that, you know, you've made it past that kind of five-year mark where I think the, you know, kind of back of the napkin drawings say, you know, half of startups fail in those first five years. So you're now at six years. Uh, could you have predicted this? And, and what has actually turned out to be uh, the success driver or drivers of Intermass? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the first three years was, it was part-time. So my, my co-founder and I were doing this on nights and weekends. So, um, you know, we were just trying to build something and, and get to the point where we could either leave our jobs or, you know, something, something was going to happen. Um, the last three years have all been full-time. And I, I think that, you know, I, I would have never predicted um, how slow the growth was, um, and I thought it would just happen a lot faster. And and it's not from, you know, not trying. It's it's really a you know market drivers and those kinds of things that have uh, that have surprised me. Um, but we've definitely, you know, we're also at a point where, you know, the company is is either cash flow neutral or about to be profitable, and so that's a a place I didn't think I would be, you know, necessarily after three years of doing this full time. So I'm pretty proud of that, and, and that's definitely one of the success markers. Um, it's, you know, it's not as big as I thought it would be, but it's still, you know, a business that's running that's in, in good shape, and and customers are happy, and, and all those kinds of things. So um, that's the success marker to me is kind of stability. Um, and we've, we've, you know, got enough stability that uh, we're not going to be going anywhere for a long time. So, Darren, one of the things that we've seen, obviously, in the Bay Area is a proliferation of accelerator platforms. 
Uh, did you take intro maps through anything like one of those incubator or accelerator programs to uh, try and speed your growth? You know, we thought about it and we applied to a couple and we, we got accepted and we ended up not doing it. And the, the reason was is we, we, we had all the, we had the right team and the, and the right components to get as much done as we could ourselves. And, um, you know, my background on the business side of, you know, sales and marketing type roles and, and my uh, technical co-founder, we felt like we had a, a pretty good leg up and we were being successful. You know, we started adding customers right after our initial launch. So um, not to say that, that it was easy, but um, we, we just didn't feel like, for the equity they would take and what resources and, and value they provided, we didn't think it would be that worthwhile, uh, in particular to our market and, and what we were going after. So um, it was tempting, and I, I think if I was to do it again, uh, I'd probably apply to some of those a little earlier, and, if, and I would have probably gone for it if it was on the early side. But, um, you know, we made enough progress that I didn't feel like it was completely necessary. But we do, we do think those programs are, are amazing and, and uh, they have a great place in, in the market. So interesting, you've taken organic growth as your kind of path of choice. Uh, what have you found has really given your growth curve a pet pill? Have you got uh, secrets that you can convey to other It's a great question. We've, we've struggled with that because the, the type of business we're in and the market, uh, is, it's a pretty niche market. And so it's very hard to grow quickly. I mean, we're, we're never going to be an Uber or some kind of, you know, really strong growth Silicon Valley story. Um, but, you know, for the first two years, it was all cold calling and all um, just direct sales and, and relationship-based and one customer at a time. And it was it was hard, really, really hard and, and painful at times. Um, more recently, once we became more established, uh, we just started, you know, doing email marketing and, and Google AdWords and those kinds of things, just some basic marketing that we just really didn't have time or money for in the past, and that's really helped a lot, uh, helped escalate the, the growth. And um, so that, we're not doing anything that is top secret by any means, but because we have such a better handle on the market and our customers and their needs, uh, we're able to market to them in a much more effective way. So, and that just took us a little bit of time to get um, and, and to prioritize. But again, if I would have done it, if I would have uh, done, you know, changed something and gone back, I probably would have started that process a little bit sooner um, with the marketing in instead of, um, you know, just pure direct sales. Here's something we ask every entrepreneur. Uh, what keeps you up at night at the stage of growth that you're at with Intro Maps? What are the types of things that uh, really keep you uh, nervous about uh, making this thing uh, a household name? Um, to be honest, nothing. There's not much that keeps me up at night at this point. Um, there, in the first two years, there was tons. <laughs> there was, uh, you know, being able to pay people, and um, you know. Or are my investors going to get their money back? And uh, you know, especially when you have friends and family investors, that becomes very, very stressful because you, you know, you don't want to fail and you don't want to kind of leave them high and dry. So those are the things that were 
you mostly stressed me out. I guess the other part of it was, you know, am I going to get a paycheck at some point? And even if I am getting a paycheck, is it going to be good enough to sustain me from what I'm, you know, used to before? And and that's that's also stressful depending on you know your situation, and that affects your you know your family and and uh, you know spouse or, or whatever the situation is. So um, that those are all things that used to keep me up at night. Um, but we're in a pretty stable place now, and um, and I you know I don't think Intermax is going to be a household name ever. Potentially, it's it's probably just not going to be that big. Um, but in the market and the industry we're going after, I, I would like it to be uh, you know well known. And so um, you know I think that we're we're well on our way, and we're we're um, doing a great job. So I, I feel I'm feeling pretty relaxed at this point. Now let's uh, give you some incredible power. I'm going to give you a time machine, Darren, and I'd like you to tell us if you were going to go back to 2009 at the founding moment for Intromats, what would you get out of that time machine and tell yourself about what you might do differently? <laughs> oh, man, there's so many things. I don't know if we have enough time for that, but uh, I think the, you know, off the top of my head, um, the only, probably if I was going to tell myself something, it would be that the only constant is going to be change. And basically you've got to prepare constantly for change and for just out of the blue, worst case scenarios that you never even thought of. Um, and you just got to keep pushing through. Um, and it always, it always feels a lot worse than it is uh, in the moment. Uh, but if you kind of step back and look at the 10,000-foot view, it's it's really not that bad. Um, what else would I have told myself? I probably would have told myself to spend a little bit more time with a lawyer at the beginning, a good lawyer, to make sure that um, just kind of all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. We didn't get into too much trouble, but there was a point of stress uh, at some point that that uh, could have been easily resolved. Those are kind of the the big ones. Oh, oh, oh! I, I know one that I forgot. So, okay. Um, the biggest one of the biggest ones is is about passion. So, if you start a company just to start a company and you have a goal of, I just want to get some experience, and I don't really care what it is, that's fine. But ultimately, if you're not passionate, deeply passionate about what you're doing, you have a much shorter runway of you know, dealing with the stress and, and making it happen. Because at some point, you'll get burnt out. But, and, and you're going to get burnt out no matter what. But if you're passionate about what you're doing completely, then you have a much longer runway and it'll kind of take you to the end. So I think that, that was a kind of a critical lesson in understanding passions. And somebody had told me that early on, but, um, you know, I, it was, it, it made a lot more sense after I kind of got in deep and, and, you know, have had the burnouts and all that. So um, passion is, is ultra critical to kind of get you to the next level. Yeah, so let me actually take on a follow-up question from that. You know, you, you, we talked a little bit about your biotech background. This is not the business that we might have looked at you during grad school and thought that you'd be running, right? So 
Uh, talk a little bit about being an entrepreneur and seeing an opportunity. Uh, so being the classic case of an opportunistic entrepreneur that saw something and went after it fully and put his whole life into it and, and what that means uh, for uh, you know, being having to be open to changing everything about your plan. Yeah, that was a tough conversation I had with myself and and you know my the people who surround me uh, in the beginning, which was, you know, I, I've put in a lot of training in school uh, to be in the life sciences. I've spent my entire career in those life sciences, and and now I'm going to start a company that is alumni relations software. Um, and it it was a, a really hard choice. I mean, I, I knew that we had something. I knew that, you know, we already had customers paying for it, but should I commit to doing this full time or should it just be, you know, run its course at that point? And, and ultimately, you know, I, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And whether it comes in the shape of a life science company or a software company or something completely different, um, the skill set is, is similar. You just got to be able to understand, you know, the technology and what you're doing and and so, you know, it was it was a it was a hard choice, um, and I there are things I miss about the life science industry all the time, um, but there's some great things about software as well, uh, the speed and uh, the lack of regulatory and you know, a number of things. So um, there there are great great things in, in both, and I think that taking the opportunity to do something completely different uh, is always a good thing because. At the end of the day, you're going to come out with another skill set or more knowledge about another area, and even if it doesn't work out, you can take that new knowledge plus you know your background and now combine it into something else that that makes sense. So I think that exposing yourself, being open to change, and and just taking the risk is um, what entrepreneurship is all about. But it, it's it's critical to kind of moving the ball forward and and uh, and learning. That's outstanding. Okay, so I have uh, a pop culture question for you. So if you believe HBO's series Silicon Valley, the uh, kind of welcome to the big leagues moment for an entrepreneur can either come with uh, your first lawsuit from a competitor or the first time you get screwed by a venture capitalist. So have you had a welcome to the big leagues moment with Intro Maps, and what did it look like? Um, well, first of all, I, I can't even watch that show because it just it hits too close to home. Uh, I was sitting in bed watching the first <laughs> couple episodes, and I was like, I can't do this. I, I think about this stuff all day long, and I don't want to go to bed stressed out. So I have barely watched the show. Uh, hopefully one day I, I can do it. But um, I, we haven't really had that – I, not that I can think of. There, there hasn't been a moment like that where – somebody sued us or, or somebody screwed us over or something like that. I mean, you know, from particularly because we've got, gotten so big, um, the world that we kind of live in and, and our markets, it's not uh, – it's a little bit of a different kind of a deal than, you know, a, a Google or an Uber or something like that. So um, we haven't had that kind of moment that I can think of. And on the more positive side of that question – when did you know you had something when you found an organization that wanted to buy in that you'd uh, never encountered previously or uh, whether you've, a customer found you and was a cold call your way or what did the what did the other side of that coin look like? Um, that moment came when somebody paid us for the product and that was um, that was a really weird feeling at the time. It was like, wow, I just 
built something with my co-founder out of our brains, like with nothing, and somebody just paid us money for it, and then another person paid us money for it. And those first couple checks when they come in, it's just like, oh, my God, this is crazy that somebody found enough value in this idea I had. And so that, that was really, really rewarding. That was a really cool feeling, um, and that's when I knew that we have something here. Somebody's interested. Somebody's buying this for a reason. There's nothing else like it on the market. Um, it's highly differentiated. Great product market fit, and why not? Let's do it. So. Okay, so before we let you go, Darren, do you have any advice for other entrepreneurs that are out there thinking about whether they should leap off into the abyss and try their own thing? You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big risk taker in general, um, and so I'm always of the mindset of, you should always leap out and, and try something new, especially if you've never done it before, um, because it's going to give you skills and, and uh, you're going to learn, learn things that you've never learned before, and, and you're also going to know more about yourself. Um, so I always recommend doing it, period. Um, but if you do it, you've got to have a plan. You know, you've got to have a goal in mind. You've got to be passionate about what you're doing. Um, but there's always another job out there. I mean, if you're an employable person and you've, you have a track record, if you leave and you don't burn any bridges, there's always another job out there. So it's, it's, I know that like that first time leaving a company is um, pretty daunting and it feels like, what am I going to do if this doesn't work? But there's always something, and if you use your network and you, and you, um, and you just keep meeting people, uh, something will come around. So, um, but if you, you know, keep the passion and have a plan and get ready to change that plan about every other day, you know, then I think uh, you'll be set. Great advice from Darren Leva, founder and CEO of Intramaps. Darren, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. This episode of Inside the Founder Studio has been brought to you by Founders Suite, providing an essential set of tools for startup founders through a California Technology Council member benefit. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org slash member benefits. Inside the Founder Studio is produced in Northern California by the California Technology Council.